today, uh, as we begin Advent, we begin a new church year, a new Christian year. Um, and we also shift in the, the, the lectionary shifts us in the Gospels and the books of the Bible that we explore. So we've been traveling through the Gospel of Matthew. And this year, for the next Christian year, we'll be um, giving particular attention to the Gospel of Mark as our Gospel, and then also um, experiences every year with the Gospel of John. But the scripture this morning uh, comes from Mark 13, and it's actually in the moment before Holy Week. Um, so Jesus is standing with the disciples and pointing them forward in hope, although it may not sound like it, but he is bringing us into a season of waiting and watching. And Sharon's going to come and read our scripture. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the human one coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the creator. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, we thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. In this, in this weary world, as we gather around your word, may we become a living word that we might bless and sustain and give hope to the world you love. In all things, we give you thanks and praise. Amen. In this week that has included some significant days, Christ the King Sunday and Thanksgiving and the start of Advent, the beginning of a new church year, I've been thinking about calendars, how we measure our days, how we track and understand the movement of time, how we place ourselves in the rhythms of time and how we make meaning out of all of that. There are all sorts of calendars and ways of measuring time. Thanksgiving with its harvest time roots reminds us of one of the oldest, the agrarian calendar, the flow of seasons from planting through the tending of crops to harvest, and then through winter plowing in preparation for the spring planting that surely comes next. 
There's the calendar we hang on our walls for us in a good part of the world, the Gregorian calendar, January through December, as it measures weeks and months and marks the days of our communal and civic life, a common measurement that places us in time together. I've spent a good bit of my life in the rhythms of the academic calendar from matriculation through the steady pace of semesters, fall break, spring break, exams, and on toward commencement. And then there is the Christian calendar, a way that we've come up with over the centuries of marking our movement through our lives in the rhythms of the life of Christ. We start in Advent, anticipating the coming of Christ, and then Christmas, celebrating incarnation, the word becomes flesh, on into epiphany as each day brings new insight into what it means that God is manifest with us and in us. And then with Ash Wednesday, we enter into Lent, a season of reflection and repentance and change, journeying with Jesus through the whole of life on into Holy Week as Christ enters with us into the suffering of life, even unto death, and then brings us out into resurrection, life beyond what we thought possible. Through the Easter season, we celebrate resurrection life as we make our way to Pentecost and the spirit of the risen Christ coming to life in us, empowering us to live lives that heal and free the world. And then we travel through a season called ordinary time as we traverse the regular rhythms of life with God and with each other, the challenges, the joys, the struggle, the wisdom until we come to Christ the King Sunday, just last Sunday and affirm that God is sovereign over all this and bringing the world to its good fulfillment, the reign of Christ, a world full of justice, healing, and peace, of love and life forever and ever, and then, and then we begin again. And so we come back to Advent after all that, and we realize that in Advent, we're not just waiting for the coming of Christ in the baby Jesus. We're waiting for the coming of Christ in all the ways that Christ shows up in the movement of our days and ultimately for the way that Christ is showing up to bring all things to good forever. Advent and this morning's scripture invite us to think of time in yet another way, something beyond calendar time, something called Kairos time. We've learned three words for hope, the New Testament word has two words for time. The calendars that I've mentioned help us locate ourselves in chronos time, chronological time, as we measure our days one after the other. But there's another Greek word and concept for time that you may have heard of, kairos, which thinks of time as an event. Think of when anyone has said to you, it's time, the time is right, time as a happening, a moment, meaning breaking into our lives. This morning, scripture from the Gospel of Mark brings us into Kairos time using what scholars call apocalyptic imagery. Now, there's, there's a lot we could unpack about apocalyptic thinking, but let me just say this. Apocalypse in Greek means revealing. Apocalyptic thinking senses that something new is breaking forth in the world. Something is being re revealed. It thinks in terms of Kairos time and of ages. This present age is coming to a close and something new is being born. For oppressed peoples, it's particularly important. This present age 
with its oppression is coming to an end and the powers with it and a new day is dawning. So here in the 13th chapter of Mark, Jesus stands with his disciples on the threshold of Holy Week and says, you see all this? It will all come down. Something new is being born. What you see now is the beginning of the labor pains. It is time. It is ultimately a word of hope, but somehow it doesn't feel like that. The lights in the sky go out. The sun and the moon and the stars, a dimming of this day in preparation for the dawning of the next. Jesus offers some images. Think of the fig tree, how its branches soften, ready to sprout leaves, a sign that summer is near, but not yet here. The work of our lives goes on like servants of a house, not knowing when the householder will return. And as Jesus talks, the closest he comes to encouragement is his admonition again and again, keep on watching, keep on being alert, keep on being awake. In terms of Kairos time, the moment is pregnant with possibility that's not yet here. On this first Sunday in Advent, this scripture places us and leaves us in this liminal moment just before the dawning of a new day. And we are left watching and waiting and hoping. I don't know if you've ever watched for the dawn early in the morning, waiting for the dawn and then the sunrise. I've got a lot more experience watching for sunsets, settling in at the end of a long day as the shadows start to lengthen and the sky becomes a carnival of color, reds and oranges and yellows, sometimes pinks and purples. And you watch as the sun sinks slowly, 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 and the clouds move and the colors change until the sun reaches the horizon and makes that last plop as it disappears from view. Waiting for the dawn is different from that. I've only done it a few times. Perhaps the biggest difference is that you start in the dark. If it's a new moon in complete darkness and often in the chill of the night, and the first thing you notice isn't an explosion of sunlight, but just that you can see something, but not much. At first, it's just lines and shapes in the monochromatic grays of the fading night, that twilight time that's neither dark nor light before sunrise. At night, there's a poetic word for that twilight time, the gloaming. The resurrection stories have this great Greek phrase that the women go to the tomb in the deep dawn of the third day. In the deep dawn, the light comes slowly. The world emerges around you, figures, faint color, and then you can see where it looks like the sunrise may emerge, but it is in no hurry. And a long expanse of growing light comes before the sun crests the horizon. Advent can feel like that. In the fading days of autumn and winter, a season of waiting in the deep dawn for the coming of just a glimpse of light and then another, watching and waiting. The watching and waiting of Advent has always felt a little unnatural to me. An abrupt shift 
from the forward thrust and hubbub of life. But I don't know. I don't know. This year, I've grown accustomed to days and weeks and months of watching and waiting, days of sheltering and restraint. A troublous, challenging world is swirling all around us, watching and waiting for some light, any light, waiting for a movement to the next color-coded public health level, waiting for a vaccine, waiting for some good news. I could say that in some sense, 2020 has already felt like one long advent. Maybe this advent, we are primed for the practice of the season, already well-versed in waiting and watching, already quietly alert. Standing with this scripture, waiting in the deep dawn of Advent this year, I want to notice three things, each of which suggests a practice for Advent, a practice you can do this coming week. The first noticing is this. The world is weary. We are weary. It took the worship team about 10 minutes to settle on our Advent theme. It resonated so deeply with us. It comes from the song we sang at the beginning of worship, light dawns on a weary world. The world is weary in so many ways. We are weary from pandemic, from the profound loss in the world, from vigilance, from illness, from our collective work to move through all this as safely as we can in a world of uncertainty. We're worried, we're weary from the disruptions in our ways of living, particularly in our ways of connecting with others. We're weary from the loneliness of these days. We're weary from the news and from an election year that won't come to an end even after a fair and clear vote. We're weary from work and from schooling. We're weary from the regular stuff of life, the hard work of relationships and family, from sorrow, from the long grind of days. A couple weeks ago, I stumbled on a new Advent devotional book by Kathy Escobar that she's titled, A Weary World. So at least one other person is seeing this too. She finished writing the book in the first months of pandemic, so it feels fresh and true. Kathy Escobar says, we're in good company in the weariness of this year. We're not crazy, we're not faithless, we're not weak, we're just human. We are weary together, and we are weary, each of us, in our own particular ways. As a practice for Advent, Escobar invites us to name our weariness because, as she says, being honest about our humanity is always better than hiding. She suggests, particularly this year, that Advent is a season for honoring our weary hearts in a weary season in a weary world. So that's the first practice for Advent and this coming week, name our weariness. Maybe take some time to sit in quiet and feel it in your body. Where are you weary? Where do you feel the weariness of the world in your bones? The second thing to notice is what the scripture suggests for living life in the weariness of this liminal moment. 
As he's talking, Jesus places the disciples and us in Kairos time, in the dawning of a new day. The labor pains have begun. The fig branch is about to bud. The householder is about to return. Here we are in this scripture with Jesus pointing us to the new day, and his advice is clear and repeated. Keep waiting. Keep watching. Keep alert. Keep awake. Scholar Courtney Buggs points to these repeated commands throughout the scripture and describes this as an invitation uh, this invitation as a call to attentive living. Jesus says it again and again, watch out for deception, watch out for yourselves, keep on watching during difficult days, keep on being awake, or as Reverend Ruth T. West might translate it, stay woke. So the second practice for this coming week is an invitation to attentive living. What do you notice about you and about our world? As you move through this week, what are you noticing? Where are you longing for the dawn? What glimpses or glimmers do you see? And the third thing to notice isn't easy to say to weary folks in a weary day, but it's this. Even in our weariness, there is work to do. All this watching and waiting that Jesus is commanding, it's not passive observation. It's active engagement with the weary world. Jesus says it's like when a householder goes away and everyone who works in the house is left with their work to do, not knowing when the householder will return. Keep being alert keep working, keep at the work of watchfulness. Courtney Bug says that as the days grind on, we might not know what we are watching for, but we know the one for whom we watch. The alertness that we're talking about here is staying alert to what God is doing in the world and finding the part of that that you're called to do, what Howard Thurman calls our working papers. Because in being a part of that work with Jesus and with each other, we help bring about the dawning of this new day. So as we enter into Advent, here are three watching and waiting practices. First, take some time to name where we are weary. Notice, where are you weary? Where do you feel the weariness of the world in your bones? Second. Move through the week in the spirit of attentive living. Keep watching, keep alert, keep awake, and notice where are you and the world longing for the dawn? Where do you see glimpses or glimmers of light? And then third, in this watchfulness, keep watch for the work that is ours to do, the work that is yours to do. Look for one thing this week. As we look for where Christ is at work in the world, what is one thing that you can do to help bring the dawn? As we begin Advent this year, we are watching and waiting in a weary world, but we've been here before. In Advent, in the course and the flow of time through the seasons and our days through our life this year, we know what this watching and waiting is like. And as we begin again in Advent, we remember that we are waiting for a dawn that will surely come. We remember over our time, the weary years and our own longing and the new day that brings the hope of Christ. 
we remember and we notice anew all the ways that God's love for us in Jesus Christ shows up in our bones, in our bodies, in our flesh, Christ before us, Christ beside us, Christ within us. Sometimes we even sing it, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices as yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. We sing what we remember as once again, light dawns on a weary world.